0: Hello, music enthusiasts, and welcome to Sound Encounters, a music podcast where I explore new and classic releases, different genres, and your favorite artists and bands. I am your host, Cesar Torres. Thank you for joining me today. It's been quite the exhaustive week listening to music. I never thought I would say that before. Music really is just a fun thing for me to do before I started Uh, doing this podcast. And even before then, I I wrote a little bit about music on my Medium page, medium.com forward slash at Cesar Torres. And I also wrote music reviews for my university's school newspaper when I was in university and I worked for the paper. So yes, I'm used to reviewing music. I'm used to talking about it. But I I really went ham this week. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, ham means hard as a motherfucker. That term was coined by Jay-Z and Kanye West. And that's because I'm talking about hip hop later in this show and and hip hop requires like active listening, especially if you're dealing with an MC or rapper who puts a lot into their bars and verses and we'll talk about that later. But usually I tend to passively listen to music. I do my best to actively listen to new music, music that I haven't heard before. Because I want to get the feel of that song. I want to know what that song is saying. I want to hear the instrumentation, the arrangement. But sometimes it's hard. I, I, I am a scatterbrained person. And I can't focus on one thing for a very long time. And then I have to force myself to listen to the song. I take a lot of notes. Just so I understand what's happening in the song and the music. But whenever I feel... Like I've had a an exhaustive week of listening to music, which again is a silly statement. I usually think, okay, well, tomorrow I probably won't listen to like much, and then I end up listening to a lot. Just it doesn't stop. I, I want to listen to more. Typically, I listen to a lot of new stuff that comes out on Friday, and there, are, there I have my own list. I'm pretty sure I've talked about my list before of albums that I want to listen to, things that have been recommended to me, things that I see on the internet. So yeah, I just end up listening to more stuff afterwards. So I don't get a break from listening to music. Again, not a bad thing. It's just kind of ridiculous saying this out loud now. But yeah, no, every once in a while, I do have this music fatigue and I just have to stop listening and I end up listening to podcasts. I end up listening to others' podcasts and I usually end up reading, right now I'm reading a novel by Sally Rooney called Normal People. That was a huge book last year. I wanted to prepare myself for this one by reading her first book, Conversations with Friends, and part of my summer was spent reading that book, and then I got a whole bunch of books for my birthday, which was in June, so I have a Handmaid's Tale now, and a Stephen King book that I should read, so I, I spent a lot of my time reading as well, and I spent some time playing video games, I am addicted to Call of Duty right now, shout out to all the gamers in my chat, but yeah, no, music fatigue a, is a real thing, and I just have to stop listening to music altogether and, and listen to something else or do something else. And and I think it's great to take a break from something that you've been doing for way too long or else you're going to start hating that thing. And then I don't want to start hating music. I freaking love music. and um, But yeah, sometimes sometimes we need a break. What do you guys do when you hit a brick wall in your music listening cycle and you got to do something else? I'm curious. Visit my Twitter. At Sound Encounters. You could also follow the Instagram at Sound Encounters. I'm doing a shameless plug thing right here. I don't, you know, let let me do my thing. Uh, You can even send me a voice message through Anchor, through my Anchor page, anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters or soundencounterspodcast.com. It'll just redirect you to anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters. I didn't get any messages uh, about my question last week, and I'm pretty upset about that. You could have been featured this week on Sound Encounters. Uh, I'm still open to getting messages about your favorite live concerts and shows. I'll feature them next week. How about that? And then, as well as your your favorite thing to do when you're taking a break from music. Listen, I, I'm I'm not mad, okay? I'm just I'm just disappointed. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm letting you off the hook. Please send me some voice messages, and if you leave a little review for me on Apple Podcasts, that review might also be featured in the next episode of Sound Encounters. Just saying, your your voice could be featured on the next episode. Pretty, pretty exciting. And speaking of pretty exciting, I've got a great show for you this week. Later on in the show, I'll be talking about abstract hip-hop, what that is, and five essential albums in that genre. But first, as always, we've got to talk about this past week in music. Music. Alright, so, uh, I didn't think a lot came out this past week. Really only listened to one album this week. Got a bunch of singles, though. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. I can't listen to everything, though, to be fair. But I, I, I don't have a lot for this past week in music. Anyway, let's get into the singles. First, I listened to Ate Up All Their Cake by Bon Iver. Over the years, Bon Iver's music has been getting stranger and stranger to varying degrees of enjoyability. I liked 22 a Million. It was a bold statement from an artist that was primarily known for his indie folk and singer-songwriter roots. He was making these glitchy, abstract art pop songs now, and not everyone liked it, including me. When I first heard 22 a Million, I just rejected it altogether. I wanted more of that indie folk and singer-songwriter vibe. But as the years have gone on, I've really learned to like 22 Million. It, it was definitely refreshing to see an artist as big as him taking these risks and not sticking to what made him famous. Then he released II last year, which definitely had its moments but wasn't as memorable as 22 Million. It was a bit all over the place and not a lot stood out to me. And now, it seems like he's getting ready for his fifth album as this is the second single he's dropped this year. And it's surprising because it's not as heavy on the electronics this time. Honestly, a bit more soulful as there are pianos, violins, and a fiddle, which makes up this fantastic and energetic arrangement. We hear a blend of vocals featuring Bruce Springsteen, Jenny Lewis, Jen Wasner, and Elsa Jensen along with Vernon's vocals. It's an alright song. It's a bit too short for my liking and i'm excited to see where he's going with this next release next i listened to smile by juice world and the weeknd and this is this was a pretty good song love juice world's vocals one of his better vocal deliveries should have been included in the original legends never die release that would have been a standout track in that record i also loved the weeknd's delivery here he was a good feature for this track the beat isn't extraordinary it does its job of keeping the rhythm of the song but it's still a pretty good song. Been playing this one on repeat. I, I, I liked it. Next, we have Daylight by Joji and Diplo. They bring us this clean banger with airy synths, a clean drum beat, and this reverberated but sounds like a guitar sample loop. It follows a pretty generic verse-course-verse verse progression. It's a nice pop song that slaps. Not much I can say about it. It's a pretty short song, but it was still pretty good. Then we have a new Blink-182 song quarantine that's about quarantine and being sick of covid it also takes aim at trump and those who refuse to wear masks pretty straightforward song lyrically has relatable lyrics so i want to talk about the music instead because it's a fun and fast pop punk track with energetic guitars and percussion that slows down a bit at least the guitars on the breakdown near the end and it doesn't overstay its welcome so i really have no problems with it it's an alright song. Hopefully they can finally release something good. They haven't done that in a while. was pretty disappointed with their last couple of releases. But hey, that's Blink-182. And I saved the most controversial for last. We have W.A.P. WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. So I've seen a lot of conservatives hating on this song because Cardi and Megan had the audacity to sing about something as, as gross as this it's, it's so sexual it's so vile and the greatest thing to come out of this track is seeing ben shapiro read the lyrics on his show and of course that's been edited and remixed to to sound like he's singing the song but honestly this track it's it's fun it's got a booming beat and the whores in this house sample that's repeated is catchy and cardi and megan have great flows on their verses especially when Cardi comes in on the third verse. I was having a great time listening to this thing. Some funny lines as well, especially the Big Mac truck line or the macaroni line and Megan's bottom bottom feeder line. It's just a fun track. I, I can't believe there's people bitching about this track. It's fun. It's not harming anybody. It doesn't set a bad example for your daughters or else, you know, Kanye singing about his dick, singing about his sex life would have been a bad example for your sons. So that's my take on this track. And that does it for the singles this week. Again, I only listened to one album this week, but this was a pretty big one. I listened to Microphones in 2020 by The Microphones. This is the first Microphones release in 17 years. I got into the Microphones through the Glow Part 2 record, and I'm a fan of frontman Phil Elverum's work, with the microphone's name, with the band, the experimental production and recording of The Globe Part 2 lent itself to be one of the most important lo-fi indie albums of all time. The low-fidelity recording, the distortion, the eerie atmosphere is what kept me coming back to that record. And then the 2003 follow-up, Mount Erie, took it a step further with longer compositions, experimenting with percussion and drones and blown-out guitars, I keep coming back to the microphones because of l dedication for pushing boundaries, for experimenting. So returning to this name, to this band, was a big deal. And it probably meant that Phil had something in store for fans, something pretty big. And I'm pretty sure we were all shitting bricks when he announced the album had one song that lasted 44 minutes. It sounded like an ambitious project and it got me hyped. It got a lot of others hyped. So as soon as it came out, I rushed to my laptop to listen to it and here are my thoughts. First, this song is a fantastic autobiography of Phil's life. Phil talks a lot about what happened in his life and his journey starting the microphones. He even he doesn't shy away from talking about embarrassing shit like reenacting martial arts scenes in an empty parking lot at the age of 22. Some really charming stuff happens in this track as well, but really caught my attention and what stood out to me was when he said that he didn't think that at 40 years old, he would still be asking the same questions he did when he was 20. And that's relatable. I have some questions about life and the universe and my place in it. And he's just being honest. He's 40. He thought he'd have the answers. And yet he still doesn't. He's still asking the same questions. He's still trying to find meaning in life, trying to find his place. And that was probably one of the most appealing aspects of this song. But it's essentially a song about himself and how about how he thinks he fits into this world. It's a fascinating story. It will resonate with fans of the microphones and those who have followed him through his Mount Erie project. And for the super fans, you'll catch references to his past work, especially when he says, I won't look for you in my room and referencing the glow part two when he says he took his shirt off and. Especially when he ends the song with, there is no end. He kind of repeats that line throughout this track. This truly is a song for fans of the microphones. It serves as both an autobiography and a love letter to his fans. The lyrical content is pretty good. It's basically like a long form free poem. And it's great. But I am a bit underwhelmed by the music. The song starts with 8 minutes, pretty much 8 minutes, of guitar strumming the same 2 chords. Which, to be fair, sounded serene, but it did get old pretty quickly. And these two chords play throughout pretty much most of the 44 minutes of this track. And sure, you can call it ambitious, you can call it experimental, you can call it a bit weird. But I think it's a bit uninteresting. Elvrim tries to spice it up with distortion and percussion and an ambient section that interrupts the flow of the song. And those were interesting, but to me, it wasn't enough. Again, I'm a bit underwhelmed by the music. I would think a little more highly of the instrumentation of this song if it wasn't so static. I don't know. I feel like I need to listen to it more, really sink my teeth into it because I'm not really getting what I wanted from this track. And maybe that's just how I'll feel after, you know, the next listen or the next 20 listens. I just wanted to say my initial thoughts on this record here. Who knows? If it changes, then I might just do like a little update. Like, okay, I listened to the microphones in 2020 several more times. Here's what I think finally. Here's what I think now. Um, I'm just really glad that we got more Phil content so soon because I did not like that Lost Wisdom Part 2 record that he released last year. But yeah, this album seems to be getting a lot of praise. I saw the Stereo Gum and Pitchfork reviews of this record. I'm seeing a lot of Discussion on music sites like rate Your Music. Uh, let me know what you guys think. If you listen to this record, I'm curious on your thoughts. Again, you could send me a, a voice message on Anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters or soundencounterspodcast.com. dot I don't know. I'm feeling like it just like a eh okay like mood whenever I listen to this. That's kind of like my rating. I got the eh the okay noises <laughs> out of ten or a hundred. I don't know we'll see we'll see after subsequent listens and that concludes this past week in music we're going to take a little break when i come back i'll talk about abstract hip-hop you're listening to sound encounters stay tuned Hello and welcome back to Sound Encounters. Before the break, I mentioned that I was going to talk about abstract hip-hop and what that is, so now I'm going to do that. When we talk about abstract hip-hop, we're talking about hip-hop that does not adhere to the conventions of the genre. Lyrics are more focused on abstract ideas such as existentialism or social institutions and not about bragging although there are some bragging songs that are pretty good just not my favorite rappers tend to use more metaphors and their word choices on the production side they tend to use more unconventional beats and the flows end up bordering on spoken words sometimes generally there's more experimentation seen with records and artists that are labeled as abstract i slowly got into the genre with contemporary abstract hip-hop You can kind of also label them as experimental. They're kind of one and the same, but I got into the genre with artists like Death Grips, JPEG Mafia, and Danny Brown. We're not going to be talking about these artists, though. I'm going to go back in time and talk about albums that influenced the genre then and now. And so here's my list for five albums to get you into this genre. Number one, we got Mad Villainy by Mad Villain released in 2004. Madvillain is the legendary collaboration between rapper MF Doom and producer, multi-instrumentalist and rapper Madlib. This was my introduction to Daniel Demille's music, he's MF Doom, and ever since I listened to Madvillainy for the first time, I've been hooked. I've never heard a more meticulous MC than Doom. His verses demand close attention, as you could miss these complex rhyme patterns or a hilarious double entendre a great example of his masterful lyricism is on accordion like the dick dastardly and motley line or the needles line where he references doritos cheetos and fritos or my favorite slip like freudian your first and last step to playing yourself like accordion and holy fuck his flow here is unmatched i remember replaying the song at least twice after I heard it for the first time, because I was so impressed with what I had just heard. Then there's Money Folder, where we see another great example of his complex word choices. In the second verse, he says that he wrote the rhyme off of two or three heinies, and we are left to assume that he means Heineken's. But then in the next line, he flips it, and he says one black, one Spanish, one Chinese, referring to the other use of Heine. I also like the little production gag that Doom sets up for Madlib. Like when he says he brings his own microphone so that he can rap to you in stereo. And then Madlib proceeds to play the left channel, only the left channel, making it mono, not stereo. Or at the end of the first verse, after Doom raps, I don't think we could handle a style so rancid. They flipped it like Madlib did an old jazz standard. And what follows is a brief jazz instrumental before the second verse starts. This duo is just so good together and while we 're on the topic of madlib let 's talk about how much he complements doom on this record madlib 's production is tight and focused, and songs never feel underdeveloped, despite most of them being around two to two and a half minutes in length. Madlib produced these beats by searching through like the one dollar crates at the record store. And because of that, we have a lot of these idiosyncratic samples popping up all over the record, like the steel guitar arpeggio loop and the Frank Zappa sample on Meat Grinder, or how the beat for all caps was created by using opening songs from cartoons, or that famous accordion loop on accordion. Just, just so smooth. Madlib also pulls Double Duty as his rapper persona Quasimodo on both Shadows of Tomorrow and America's Most Blunted, We'll talk about Quasimodo just a little bit, but if you haven't listened to this record, pause this podcast and listen to Mad Villainy, truly one of the greatest hip-hop records of all time. Number two, we have The Unseen by Quasimodo, released in 2000. Like I just said, Quasimodo is Mad Lib's rapper persona. And yes, I have Madlib twice on this list. Uh, deal with it. If you couldn't get enough of his production style after listening to MadVillain, listen to this. I love his floaty and comfy jazz samples mixed with his usual bass-heavy beats, and he pretty much crafted these songs like he did on MadVillain. I am thoroughly impressed at what he's able to make with his collection of records. Return of the Loop Digger displays his disdain for bland production, and he really talks about his creative freedom. A skit interrupts the song after the first verse where he's talking to a record store clerk and the clerk doesn't recognize the artists or albums that Quaz is looking for. The store doesn't have the exact print that he is looking for and it just goes to show that he's uncompromising when it comes to his artistic vision and I think that's very admirable. He goes more in depth with his influences on Jazz Cats Part 1 as he names like Cannonball Adderley, John Coltrane, Thelonious Monk bill evans and countless others you can tell how much of an inspiration sunra is to madlib as there are a lot of references to sunrise music all over this record madlib names drops sunra on jazz cats he names two of his songs after two sunra songs astral black and discipline 99 and pretty much after listening to this record you're just like oh i should listen to sunra i really want to listen to sunra now because madlib is you know talking about sunra a lot which if that's his intention then you know he played it smart more highlights include bluffin which samples a piano riff from a song by american jazz pianist ahmad jamal green power starts with a sample from a bobby lyle song who is a soul jazz and jazz funk artist this sample sounds like a song you'd hear on like the boot up screen for an old school gaming console boom music has to be My favorite song here in terms of showcasing his production style. Record scratches, a sample of what sounds like a xylophone. The hook is comprised from a sample by Diamond D and the psychotic neurotic song. Try saying that fast five times. And there's a loop of a guitar chord which sounds very psychedelic. I should also mention here that Madlib was doing shrooms for a month while creating this album. And whenever you hear something psychedelic, this thing he was probably tripping all right so one more highlight before i move on i want to talk about low-class conspiracy madlib comments on racial profiling and how police treat black people and, and how they demonize them on this song they're always finding a way to accuse them of something that they didn't do i love this track because of the commentary here but also madlib is given an opportunity to flex his storytelling skills he paints a vivid picture of him and his friends getting in a car, smoking a joint, and getting pulled over by the police. There's even a police siren sound effect that plays when Madlib mentions the police. It's a very immersive track with great production as Madlib takes this sample and loops it to sound like it's stuttering. It's so freaking good. This record is just brimming with creativity. And if you liked this record, I highly recommend his other work with Freddie Gibbs. That's his most recent work, or Mad Lib's Shades of Blue. Really, I can't get enough of Mad Lib's work. Okay, at number three, we have From Filthy Tongue of Gods and Griots by Dialect, released in 2002. Dialect is a New Jersey group. The lineup hasn't really stayed consistent over the years, although Dialect, the MC, is a constant since the group is named after him. When this particular album was recorded, the lineup was Octopus on production. Still on turntables and dialect as the MC. This is the second studio album by Dialect. These three craft a bleak and oppressive listen both lyrically and musically. You can tell that this group was inspired by industrial and noise music as they create these jarring and sometimes nightmarish electronic soundscapes. For example, the album opens with spiritual healing, which has this harsh distortion that has this disorienting swirling effect to it we have other odd production choices like untrampled brethren which fuses a rap beat with indian raga and forever close your eyes with its soaring guitar feedback and shimmering keyboards and the 12 minute cacophony of dissonant sounds on black smoke rises i was cut off guard when this song came on i wasn't expecting this atonal ambient soundscape all the while dialect raps like he's reading a free verse poem can definitely see this album especially black smoke rising inspiring artists like death grips or jpeg mafia or clipping with all its noise and abrasiveness while the production on this record is certainly worthy of praise you gotta give it up for dialect whose verses add to these dismal environments he criticizes religion specifically christianity and how conservatives will bend lessons and values from the bible to fit their needs Going back to spiritual healing, Dialek points out how to people of different ethnicities, God has a different skin tone, like the black God, the brown God, the white God, the most popular God. He points out the hypocrisy of those who are pro-life and how concerned they are about an aborted fetus, but then criticize or chastise parents who go on food stamps or welfare to feed their children. He also mentions that black people are still discriminated against and are seen as subhuman when Abraham Lincoln freed them during the civil war or the paranoia of dealing with false facades in everyday life on speak volumes. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the lyrical content of black smoke rises. My interpretation is that he's taking an anti-religion stance as he does through most of this album. Why live in fear of a God we might not know is actually real. Why be a slave To sin when we can enjoy this life to the fullest with its earthly pleasures. And possibly my favorite line in this entire record, Why Question a Life Only Borrowed. If you liked this record, definitely listen to two following records, Absence and Abandoned Language. Dialogue is truly one of the kings of abstract hip-hop. Okay, so moving on to recent releases in the abstract hip-hop genre, we have Black Up by Shabazz Palaces, released in 2019. Eleven. This is their debut album, and Shabazz Palaces is fronted by Ishmael Butler from Dickable Planets. However, he goes by Palisir Lazaro on this record. He's the vocalist for this group, and the instrumentation is handled by Tendai Baba Marire. You don't know how many videos I sifted through with interviews with Tendai just so I can get his name right. And this record was produced by Knife Nights. This is an album that takes aim at the music industry and what Lazaro calls corny rappers. One of my favorite songs here is Yeah You where he does exactly that. His main criticisms are that rappers will do anything to be famous and become wealthy. Lazaro is really caught up on rappers and artists sacrificing their creativity, their art to create something streamlined and make a quick buck. He also talks about this on the second track, An Echo from the hosts that profess Infinitum. This album has a lot of lengthy track titles. But on this song, he's telling rappers they are slaves to the music industry while he remains free to do his own thing. And then on track five, Eulogy, he reminisces about a time before hip-hop went mainstream and became trendy and before the industry took advantage of it and made profits on rappers and their music. To take this many shots at the industry, Shabazz Palace's better be on their A-game, both musically and lyrically. And boy, do they pull out all the stops for this record. Not only are Lazaro's verses fire, but the production is incredible. I love the transcendental strings and the stuttering piano keys on Are You Can You Where You Felt, and how that morphs and adds some energy with its more defined drum beats and more eloquent string section. Or the opener Free Press and Curl, which has this dense dance beat along with these hypnotic vocal samples that go like, "ooh." It's an impressive opening track that gives you a real feel about what you're going to listen to. It's a jazzy, glitchy, hypnotic, and otherworldly listen, and really, no one else is sounding like Shabazz Palace's right now. And the fifth and final record that I'm going to recommend to you is I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside by Earl Sweatshirt released in 2015. Earl made himself known while he was in the hip-hop collective Odd Future with his friends. He also got a lot of hype from his debut mixtape Earl in 2010. Ever since then, he's become this alternative hip-hop darling. But that's just the problem. He doesn't want the fame. He tends to shy away from the limelight and Earl keeps to himself and he hates dealing with fans. There's a video of him knocking a phone out of a fan's hand you can go check that out this just goes to show just how much he doesn't like dealing with them but i'm getting off track his attitude and his demeanor is reflected in his music i don't like shit is a dark and depressing listen. production is anemic and gloomy as he raps about depression his misanthropy and his battle with anxiety and drugs Tracks like Off Top and Grown Ups delves more into his aversion of other people. Like he clearly has trust issues as seen on Off Top. Somebody comes up to him and asks how are you doing and he immediately questions their intentions and Grown Ups continues this theme of trust issues and his skepticism of others. Production on Off Top complements his lyrics as the drums are blown out and the pianos are gloomy. Fawcett is a Bit lighter, even if the atmosphere is still murky. On this track, he mentions that while he's distancing himself from his friends and family, even referencing a fight that he might have had with his mother, he's trying to make the most out of his numbered days. The fact that he's even thinking about death and rapping about it is a bit off kilter. While the lyrics are interesting, I'm more intrigued by the instrumental detours that he takes on this project. While also sticking to that drab and depressing mood. It fits where Earl is at, because when you are dealing with so many things at once, your mind tends to be at a lot of places at once. A great example is Grief, which is one of the coldest songs I've ever heard Earl produce. The song's foundation is this ethereal ambience, which I find relaxing, yet he includes these heavily manipulated drum beats and ghastly vocal samples that makes the song eerie. Earl was in a very dark place when he wrote this song. He was ordered to stay at home by his doctor because he was suffering from medical exhaustion. That feeling of isolation and depression started to set in for Earl. And damn, the beat sounds like what isolation feels like. I can't imagine a better song for right now because we're all staying at home because of coronavirus. A lot of other odd production choices on this album that I love is the organ on Huey or the psychedelic guitars on Mantra or the vaporwave ask am he released another album in 2018 titled some rap songs which have these shorter songs that are like reminiscent of mad villainy honestly his production is pretty close to mad Lip's production but of course with his unique style and his unique take on beat production so those are my five essential abstract hip-hop albums what do you think of the list is, do you have any favorites on this list? Did you think I might have left out an album that might have fit the albums that I chose here? What are your favorite abstract hip hop albums and bands and rappers and I don't know why I said bands, but rappers and artists. Let me know. Again, you could send me a voice message on Anchor. There's still a whole lot of abstract hip hop out there. Might make another list in the future because I've really been on a binge of abstract hip hop music. There's Death Grips, JPEG Mafia, Danny Brown, Clipping, some of LP's production on Run the Jewels, is I would call abstract, especially the latest Run the Jewels record. And hey, even LP himself with his solo work and his work on Cannibal Ox, you know, he has a lot of abstract shit too. But yes, please, tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear your picks, your favorite artists and rappers. This has been What is Abstract Hip Hop? So that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. You know, I really enjoy doing these genre guides. So next week, I I think I'm going to do another one. I might do that uh, post-punk guide that I was talking about uh, a couple weeks back. I think that would be pretty fun. Follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram at Sound Encounters. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and it could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Do you have a question or suggestion for me? Then visit the Twitter or Anchor page and submit your question. That too could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Thank you to Soundstripe for their wonderful selection of music, which I use today. And thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting my little show here. I'm Caesar. this has been Sound Encounters, and I'll see you next week.